catch. Did you see the size of that thing? Now, if you're going to be out there fishing and you're illegally doing it, you should be thrown in a pen for a crap hot. I'd have to say, if you're going to use a long shank hook, great for whiting, perfect for yabbies, not the best for live baits, such as a herring. Oh, come on, mate. You're joking, aren't you? That's absolutely, that's, that's rubbish. You know, don't put yourself in a fishing line here. Now, that's a catch. That is a quality catch. Well done, champion. and welcome to the Step Outside podcast. Uh, Paulie Bird here. Hope you're well. Um, if you watched today's episode of Step Outside, you would have noticed, or this week's episode of Step Outside, you would have noticed a gentleman by the name of Clint Ansel on our program, all about walking and waiting the flats. So I had the honour and privilege of going out with Clint. Amazing stuff. He runs and owns a, a, a charter operation on the Gold Coast, the fabulous Gold Coast, where you can get up and walk the flats where there's so many boats and activity up there. It's incredible. But this guy, he just knows where the fish are. He's got this sixth sense of understanding what they do and where they go to. Uh, It's incredible. I I can't talk high enough about this bloke because uh, absolute brilliant. This day, as you saw on the program of Step Outside, we were actually out there just wading amongst an area where you have over a quarter of a million people wanting to fish every second, and of course uh, an area that has the highest amount of registered boats per capita in the Southern Hemisphere. But this bloke's still catching fish. Unbelievable. Uh, If you come into the coast, check him out. Again, Gold Coast River Charters. You can check it out on, just put the .com on the end, and you will find Clint. Now, we got him on board. Lucky enough to have him with us. G'day, Clint. How are you, mate? And wanting better, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, getting busy on the water, but plenty of space for everyone. Oh, mate, there's always space out there, even though we're the uh, highest amount of registered boats per capita in the southern hemisphere is right Very here right. in the southeast sector of uh, Queensland. It's quite busy, but um, there's always wow. a place to wet a line, mate. How do you go with the, uh, I guess, the pressure being put on fishing when you know you got that amount of people out there wanting to wet a line? But you're still catching fish, mate. How do you do it? Yeah, well, that's right. Well, it's always going to be the way, as you know, that 10% of the fishermen catch 90% of the fish. And if I was to go somewhere else in the country, I wouldn't know where to start. So it's a case of <laughs> knowing where to go and when and what to do and what time of the year. Mate, it's a good thing. Every time we'd go away, I'd always grab a guide, go and learn what the guide would do to find out what's happening in that area. I mean, it's the most easiest exactly. thing to do and, and to enjoy yeah, it. makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, you want to catch fish. You don't want to go out and catch donuts. <laughs> well, I don't mind eating the donuts, as you could probably tell yeah, when I yeah. see you. No need to yeah. laugh, mate. It's not my yeah. fault. It's an yeah. eating disability thing I have. Anyway, mate, uh, I tell you, but <laughs> you, you are you are uh, catching a lot of whiting at the moment. Um, you know, we've been seeing it on the programs and all that sort of stuff. Tell me about wading the flats there, Clinton. What's the first thing to success? What makes a flat such a great place to wet a line? What is it, what is it you need on that flat to start with? Yeah, well, that's right. Gold Coast is just held some magnificent whiting banks and uh, very, I'd almost say underrated because they had a lot of them like, right in front of where you boats go straight past and they're gigantic yabby banks. So the, the number one thing I'd go for is is nice-looking yabby holes and soft sand. So wherever I'm walking, if I suddenly come across harder sort of sand, I'll go back the other way and go back to where the soft sand is and lots of yabby holes and that's your best restaurant for the, for the uh, whiting. 
I love the descriptions you say about, you know, restaurants and, and different things about fishing because the analogies are, are really what, what it's all about. Because you go to Coles or Woolies or Aldi or whatever to shop to get your groceries, the fish are going to do the same thing. Whether you're offshore, they're going to go to a bait ball. If they're in the estuaries, they're going to go to a bait ball area or where there's bait found because that's what they're there to feed on, yeah? That's exactly right, yeah. I must uh, stole that quote from Wayne Young, you know, the, the legendary <laughs> whiting, local whiting fisherman. He yeah. says the best restaurants in the area, and that goes for the council chambers and all the banks in the Broadwater. Very, very true. Yeah, very smart guy. Mate, um, the gear that we've got to run, I guess, you know, we'll get into that shortly, but talk about you got to pump yabbies because you've got to extract the bait out of the ground to bring the whiting in close. I've always found when I'm whiting fishing, you know, you get all the sand sort of, um, you know, the sand smoke through the water and you always look around, there's either toadfish or whiting following you as well. So is that is that what we're trying to do here is tease the fish to Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah, and so often you'll see people that come out on holiday and they'll pump yabbies and then go tearing off three kilometres away to start fishing where... They're probably attracting fish right there and then when they're pumping yabby, so you're literally throwing a line as you're doing it and quite likely you'll catch fish because that attracts them. Very closely mimics what the stingrays are doing and that's digging up the sand, making it easier for the whiting to poke their noses in there and suck up some worms and yabby. So absolutely, never go far from where where you uh, pump yabby to start with, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that I've also noticed is that um, when you are fishing for those particular fish, is to um, try and put polarised sunglasses on because th- you need something to cut through the glare because they are invisible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. What I look for is just a shadow over the sand, but definitely having good quality polarised glasses. I use glass lenses these days. Mm. Uh, it's just so much life, so much longer. They don't scratch. They're really worth what you pay for them. Yeah, and they're not cheap. I know the guys at Anaconda have got some pretty good deals at the moment because today... Uh, the new Burley store is opening, and a conversation sponsor of ours, so too, is uh, Gold Coast River Charters. Mate, but one thing that I do notice is that um, you get the glass lens, because I'll talk about Polaroid yeah. Sunnies for a sec. Massive difference to the uh, to the cheaper plastic lens, although there are some, like now Maui Jim have gone to some uh, some plastic lenses, which are good. They're nice and lightweight. Yeah. They're really lightweight glass but yeah. to, or frame i should say but uh you know it makes a bit bit of difference i like a little bit of weight yeah me too and uh yeah if you do have the plastic ones just be very careful not to rub them too much it's always easy to you know you get salt water and things on them to rub them with a cloth but it's way better to just uh, pour a bit of fresh water over them and let it dry it makes the lenses last a lot longer yeah, there's this new stuff on the on the market that I've seen. It's really good. It's called Screen Shield. It's absolutely yeah. awesome on uh, on your glasses. It uh, actually just lets everything run off. Hey, mate, tell me about um, right. tell me about the whiting, um, the gear that we're running. We've pumped our nippers. We can locate them. Yeah. What sort of gear are we running, mate? Well, you never want to go more than six pound line anywhere along the way because these whiting are very timid, wary fish, and uh, they're not going to come charging them in. You know swallow the bait like a brim they're quite careful so the lighter you can go the better your results are going to be um if you're using sinkers that you're going to know heavier than six pound mono main line and fluorocarbon leader six pound or four pound even and uh just keep that always always keep the bait moving the warning like a moving bait they're very fast little torpedoes so they're gonna have no trouble catching up to it and yeah if you keep that bait moving it's it just seems to tempt whiting, just like the surface lures do. They always say, keep that lure constantly moving and they'll chase it, and that's what works well for whiting. 
Mate, you're a wealth of knowledge. I'll give you the drum on that. Awesome, absolutely brilliant. What about sinkers? Do we need to put a lot of sinker? Yeah, well, as you as you as you would know, if you're fishing at the council chambers at night and similar sandbanks, which fire very well every year, year after year, this time of year, um, just depending on how much tide there is. So the bigger the tide, the bigger the sinker you go. But you'd never use you'd use anywhere between number two, three, or four ball sinker, just enough to hold that uh, bait on the bottom and obviously if you're anchored all you want to do is lob those lines out there and just have that current swaying that bait around and wait for them to swallow it a lot of people make the big mistake of holding the rod and striking as soon as they get a bite just let them they'll crush it first they take their time they're very careful let them swallow it then load up and, and wind them in not that hard when they're on the bite so just patience one thing I have noticed is that um, when we used to fish a lot for winding up around the chambers many years ago for, for clubs and comps and stuff like that with my brother Dougie, is uh, we would turn around and actually fish uh, with the rods all laying down across the back seat of the tinny. We wouldn't touch a rod. Yeah. And you'd have to have, exactly right. you know, yeah. and as one rod would spin off, you would then put your foot on that alvey and then the next one would go and you'd have that one there, you'd be winding in and you'd be pretty much a four hook up all the time. But every time we, we caught, say, 10 fish is we would wind the anchor up, pull it up, and then just move across 10 or 15 feet to the left or right, and then we'd throw our lines out again and work new ground. That's what it takes, isn't it? Yeah, mm. that's mm. what I do on the banks too. And if you drop one or two fish, it sort of spooks those fish in the area too. So if you move just a bit further away, you're sort of getting a fresh location. Yeah, so definitely. Another, that's the other big thing is whiting. Keep moving constantly. Don't stay in the same place all day. No. No. Well, I know you're talking about sinkers, so that's in a channel sort of fishing, but yeah. wading the flats yeah. is what we saw on the on the program uh, on Step Outside today, is that you were not using any sinker. You were just going straight mono. You're not using braid either on this situation, are you? Yeah, that's right. Or actually fluorocarbon line all the way through because that's sink up to three times faster than other lines. So it's pretty much doing away with the need for a sinker and you know, being as stealth as possible and chasing these whiting, which is you need all these things in your favour with such fat, healthy fish that aren't starving. So they all just come along and mouth those yabbies. You know, they're not, they're not, not that hungry. Mm. You need everything to go in your favour, and that's one thing I do. Is it doesn't matter what the wind's doing. You can cast with the wind. If you do, you want to use a sinker and you need to throw into the wind or off the edge of the channels and things, just go as light as possible. It's the lightest possible sinker that will get you that that yabby out just over the edge of the banks and obviously in the broadwater yabbies are best. I, the uh, Narang River bloodworms are best. Yeah, you match the hatch. And and that's the other yeah. thing. Bloodworms and wrigglers. If you can get wrigglers, they're an awesome bait. And then it sort of goes down oh, from yeah. bloodworms, wrigglers, that's, a, that's sort of top two. And then after that, you'd probably yeah. move into yabbies and then probably like beachworms, stuff like that. Beachworms. Mm. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah, depending on how hungry they are, the fussier they are, the more they'll be harder to catch on the outside those top three, but yeah, mm. they're really on the two beach worms will get them. What about sure. what about the hook size that you're running there too, Clint, around the uh, those flats, mate? Is it different to the hook that you're running, say, in the estuaries around the uh, creeks and canals when you're fishing with a sinker? Is it a different different style of hook? Yeah, well, that's right. If I'm using a sinker, I'll, I'll use number four size bait holder hooks, yep. just the, not the longest shank ones. Yeah, just so that you thread the yabby or worm right up the hook, covering the whole hook, and I stay on better. When I'm fishing on the flats, I use number six, little number six hooks, which I just pin through the tail of the yabby, so they're actually still crawling around and 
as you're walking, you keep the barrel arm open. And as soon as you get a bite, let them run so they don't feel any resistance. Yeah. And uh, and then go from there. Yeah. Mate, um, when when you are fishing for the flats with uh, fishing on the flats with whiting, um, you know, obviously trying to target that. Do you ever see flathead? A lot of flathead, yeah, but yeah, especially after rain, I find um, flathead likes discoloured water. I think just to they get that chance to ambush things at you know close range and near zero visibility. They're quite good at spotting things at close range. I think or sensing things. So, like now, we've just had big decent rain and the water's until the real end of the running tide is a pea tree sort of colour yeah. it's quite amazing how many flathead are up on the flats and massive flathead too like the other day we measured a lie that was over a metre long so it's just uh, giant flathead out there wow and they're in real shallow water too hey don't be mistaken super super shallow like ankle deep seriously they just would be just covering their banks backs and I think in between spawning periods what else have they got to do but get out there and feed and catch whiting themselves. So that's what they're doing. Mate, is there a certain time of the year that we see more whiting on the flats than uh, than others? Certainly, yeah. Uh, I find the peak months now are November, December, January uh, and February, if there hasn't been too much rain, I think eventually they sort of get flushed out to the beaches if you get a, a really big flood, which we do, we'll do eventually from a cyclone event or something. Yeah. But, yeah, this, this month and next month certainly absolutely peaking. So a great time to catch a feed. And they're in massive numbers too. I've, I've had days where I've looked out with the polarised sunnies and just seen schools of 30 or 40 whiting in a group. You know, it's quite wow. staggering. Wow. Man, that's intense. Yeah. Hey, when you're fishing a, yeah. a bank and you've got the tide running up onto it, do you want to fish the back end of the bank so your bait is flowing away from you or on the side of the bank or in front of the bank? Where is it you fish tide dependent? Well, it just depends on how much run there is. Uh, there's those big king tides we just had. It was flowing quite fast over the banks. Mm. I like my favourite tides are just the normal sort of tides where there's a fair bit of flow but not a ludicrous amount of, of run. And those sort of around those 1.5 bit of high tide, 40 sort of centimetres low tide. And um, from there, the first thing you've got to do, I find, is obviously you've got to cast with the wind when you're unweighted. And then I'll either walk across the way the current is flowing or with it. The, the one thing you don't want to do, like trolling lures, is walk against the current because that tends yeah. to let your yabby off the bottom. It doesn't yeah. look natural. It's not the natural way bait would flow. So get in the rhythm of everything and you, you get the results straight away. Mate, um, when a yabby is taken by the whiting and it's swallowed whole, how are you getting your hook out or are you just cutting the hook off and letting it go? If it's an undersized fish, what do you do? Yeah, that's the thing. I, obviously, I don't like to kill, unnecessarily kill fish or harm them. So yes. what I use is the, quite a cheap hook, the Jarvis Walker little bait holder hooks. And they, you know, go down a condo and sometimes they're around $11 for 100 hooks. Wow. Like crazy cheap. Yeah. The good thing about them is they're strong enough to handle any big whiting, but they'll disintegrate in no time at all. I left one sitting in the side of the boat and told, what do you have to do? Just to, just to test. And after two days, it literally crumbled. So wow. if they had spun up down the throat, all I'll do is cut the line as close as I can to the hook, let yep. them go, and I can guarantee that hook will fall out in no time. I've never seen a dead whiting floating around from a hook. And yeah, from Brimstone and Angus too, that if a brim swallows a treble and they put in the live well for half an hour, go back, they've somehow got it out. So they're quite good at getting, getting hooks out. So yeah, 
that's their best chance of survival if they do if they do swallow the hook. That, that's a cool thing, a, bi- a biodegradable hook. I don't know if I'd want to keep a... Yeah, pretty much is. You don't want yeah. to put a, a bit of salt or water that gets in your packet and you tie one on and you cast it out. That wouldn't work well, but it's a good thing, I guess, you know, because no. we are looking at, at you know, surviving the fish and keeping them healthy, et cetera. But, mate, yeah. um, you've, got, you've got your fish. Are you icing your fish down or are you keeping your fish alive in a well when you get back to your boat? Well, I, I, as we're waiting, we sort of do big circles around where the boat's anchored and... Um, we use waiting bags and put them in there. You can put a nice block in there if you like, but what I do is dip it in the water every now and then, keep them cool, and every now and then go over to the boat, put them in there. I've got ice blocks and water in there. Um, but I do I like to bleed them straight away. The ones I'm keeping, I'll bleed them straight away and kill them. Yeah. Obviously, being humane and not letting them slap around the bag. And the flesh tastes a lot better too with whiting and flathead so if you bleed them and put them out of their misery straight away and put them on ice as soon as possible you get the best the best uh, possible quality meats which as you know from buying fish now these days I saw whiting advertised the other day for over $50 a kilo fillets and wow. $30 something dollars a kilo whole so wow. these are even good quality fish so look after them and you get the best feed out of them Absolutely. I know you've been getting some fish well over 40 centimetres. For a yellowfin summer whiting, mate, that's an incredible size. I mean, they're not the big King George whiting we get down south, but they're, uh, mate, they're a sweeter fish. I absolutely love eating them and catching them. But, um, you know, I guess over 40 centimetres, that's an elbow slapper. Yeah, it's a, it's a trophy fish, you know. And, um, I joke now that they don't come around that often, only every, every once a day or so. <laughs> and that's what's there on these banks we're talking about the prime restaurants well these horses are out there and uh, people sort of joke at me that I keep such a light drag but once you uh, lose a few of that size where they snap that, that thin line you, you get very careful when you realise what a, it's well and truly worth playing them out gently if you get that sort of fish in the net and mm. if it takes six minutes it's all part of the fun I, I think it's like catching a trap you know, and shallow water and, and netting it at the end when it's tired. It's, it's a trophy fish. Absolutely, mate. It certainly is. And uh, I remember doing the fishing with you there one stage, targeting the whiting on the flats. And, you know, we went out there a little bit gung-ho, but by the end, everything became very delicate. And it, it was like fly fishing for trout. You know, you were just really, you know, searching for the fish. You're hunting the fish down. And then, you you know, you, you're taking the time to hook the fish and then you're taking your time to play the fish back because you're you're running very light line, of course, like you said, lightweight hooks. Extremely light, and you, you would know too that white, the big whiting often come running straight towards you at first and uh, and then do a big dash for freedom. So yeah. it's those big lunges that will snap your line if you're not careful and light drag and soft hands, and it's, there's no rush at all, I think. Uh, it's worth the wait for those big guys and... Uh, a lot of people would love to catch a 40-centimetre whiting. And in the 30, high 30s and 40s, it's not uncommon, surprisingly, in the border. But during the day, is even bigger luxury for me. Yeah, that's what it's all about, mate. Eating quality, sensational. What's your favourite way to cook a whiting? Well, I, I like to uh, carefully fillet them in the kitchen uh, and then skin them so you've got that nice, clean yep. fillet. Cut the, the rib bones out and then the light batter. Sometimes just a uh, egg and flour batter. I like the tapioca flour. It gets nice and crispy. Uh, and then hot olive oil, a couple of minutes each side. Make a nice crispy fillet, salt and pepper, lemon, uh, some fresh-made home, home chips on the side, potato chips, and a bit of Greek salad. 
sensational, I reckon. Mate, you've got me hungry. I'm going to cook myself some lunch. I reckon that's what we're going to have for lunch today. i just got to go catch a whiting. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I wish I, got, I wish I got to eat them once in a while. My customers get to take them home and I get to, yeah drool about what could have, could have been mine. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, everybody. That's uh, Clint Ansel. He is the skipper, owner, operator of Gold Coast River Charters. So if you're coming up to beautiful Queensland, the borders are open. Come and see Clint. Clint, what's your details? People can uh, contact you on, mate. Yeah, my uh, phone number is 0432 I always joke that bit off texting me because I'm often out waiting and it's a bit hard to answer the phone or driving the boat and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And also, there's plenty of info at goldcoastrivercharters.com. There you have it, everyone. Goldcoastrivercharters.com. Hey, Clint, thanks very much for your time, mate. We'll see you again on more Step Outside, and we'll see you out on the flats of the beautiful, sunny Queensland city we call the Gold Coast. An absolutely pleasure to have you on board today, mate. Sounds beautiful. See you on the flat soon for those uh, horse lighting. Good on you, buddy. There you have it, everybody. That's another episode of Step Outside with Paul Burt's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And, of course, uh, we'll be back next week with another interesting and colourful character, someone who's full of knowledge, just like Clint, to uh, share that back through to the airwaves to you guys back home. Take it easy, everybody. And, of course, as we love to say, mate, your rod bend often. Ever since I was a young fella... I've always loved the outdoors with that sense of adventure calling. That adventure has become my life's passion that I love to share. Hey there, I'm Paul Burt. Come with me and let me share the experiences I've learned over the years along with some pretty cool tips and tricks as we step outside. Step outside.